We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 387 of the Winning Six Podcast, probably part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing, Jordan? Well, I am currently in milwaukee wisconsin it's snowing like the dickens out here and you'll probably be hearing a lot of uh snow plows uh loudly <laughs> putting their plow on the road as we're recording this not to get a sidetracked immediately you've just you've made me think of something i i, I think that's music to your ears when i say something like that of course. As pe- at this point, as people will know, because it's been brought up briefly at a few podcasts, I was in Iceland this week, right? Something that struck me, Jordan, because I come from a country that we get snow occasionally, like once every few years, and not very heavy snow. We get ice occasionally. I know there's a big, you know, shovel your driveway, shovel in front of your house, keep the Keep the pavement clear culture in the snowy territories of the United States, right? I'm right in saying that. Yes, you'd be right. I was struck by the fact that in Reykjavik, they don't even they don't even clear like the doorstep of stores. Like it was, I nearly crushed my neck. Where wow, maybe, maybe it's just such a different culture. Because I was thinking, if that happened here, 
there would be people queuing up to fall and sue, and that would probably also be the case in the US. Um, but I was like, well, that is interesting. So I am right in thinking that that would be very far removed from snow and ice etiquette in Wisconsin. Oh, you would be very correct. I believe there are city ordinances that you have to shovel your sidewalk in order for people to use them because if they get hurt, it's on you. It's not on Reykjavik, more like wreck your back because they <laughs> don't give a shit about clearing the doorstep. Good uh, lord. That is a... surprising. Uh, Jordan, I <laughs> it was very, very extremely cold. Just just by bad luck when we got there. Got out of a car, was looking for a hotel. Uh my camera snap broke. The camera dropped onto the ice. I put my foot up onto a doorstep to go into a local store to see where the hotel is. And I just nearly slipped, went in. There was no one in the store. The, the store was just open. There was no one to be found. It's just a different world, Jordan. Uh, but anyway, we got sidetracked to begin here. I'm glad we could class just clear up um, the culture and snow and ice in different parts of the world. That's what people are here for, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course it's not, Jordan. What people are here for is the stuff they really want to hear from us every week. When they tune in to the Win in Six podcast, you know what they say, Jordan? What do they say? They say, can you guys give us some talk about ownership? <laughs> we are happy to oblige. That's what we yell out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so while while I was away... Uh, some pretty big news broke, it's safe to say. Honestly, news that at this point, I feel like is getting lost in the shuffle of just how monumental this could be and how it could destroy everything we know and hold dear about the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but as we have known and as we have discussed on the pod over the past few months, it's pretty much an open secret at this point that Mark Lazary is reportedly shopping his shares of the Milwaukee Bucks. He is looking to sell his portion of the team. Um, the now sole owner, or at least majority owner of the Phoenix Suns, uh, Matt Ishbia, was in discussions for Lazary's share and could quite easily have been a Bucks co-owner, it seems, if not for an opportunity to own a team outright cropping up pretty soon afterwards. And from what reporting since has told us, when that fell true, Mark Lazary opened up his Rolodex, Jordan, and he said, who else can I wine and dine and bring to sit courtside at what I believe was a Bucks timberwolves game? And to give them a sense of, hey, this detail was in um, the athletic reporting from Shams Eric Name, and Sam Amick. He... Mm. Um, Jimmy Haslam, owner of the Cleveland Browns, the Columbus Crew, um, Pilot, right? That's the the name of the the oil company. Um, sat courtside alongside. Actually, I had that wrong. Alongside Wes Edens, um, for the Bucks one twenty three one fourteen win over the Timberwolves on December thirtieth, twenty twenty two. Jordan, your face to greet me saying that is not great is that the fact that he has actually accompanied the other major owner is that made you less comfortable with this 
I don't know. I'm, I'm still <laughs> thinking about it right now. <laughs> um, the reports are, though, that serious talks have taken place between Lazary and Jimmy and D. Haslam of Haslam Sports Group to purchase 25% of the walkie books. Jordan, are you okay? Uh, we gotta start from here. Right, where are we starting? Um, Jimmy is a 68, almost 69 year old man, and we're still <laughs> calling him fucking Jimmy. Well, Let's go. No, but you Jim know why this is James. the case. No, no, you know why this is the case. What? Because Daddy Haslam's called Jim. That is true. Yeah, he big, is a what? He's big a third? Papa Haslam, the patriarch, is Jim. So that is that is the reason. This is little Jimmy, even though he is sixty-eight years old. Jimmy three, Jimmy Haslam three. That's Jimmy what I want to call him. <laughs> um. Yeah, James Arthur Haslam the third. Um. So that that is the reason for that. His name is Jimmy. I don't know what you want me to say. That is what he goes by. That is what we are going. Is he be a born calling. Jimmy? No, he's a he's a born James Arthur. He's a James Arthur. No one's a born Jimmy. He, that's where he wanted to start, which is derailing right, to could, where we should actually laughing, start with this. Laughing uncontrollably, uncontrollably, that we're talking about a. Uh, 69-year-old man named Do you know Jimmy. D. Haslam's name? No. Avoiding joke. Susan Bagwell Haslam. Where does D come from? No idea. It's like a nickname, I guess. Hmm. These are the... over for uh, 2, Haslam's over <laughs> for 2. <laughs> we, know, we know how important names are to Jordan. That's one thing if we've ever established on this podcast, it's that names matter to Jordan Tresky. Yes. Um, okay. Uh let's let's I guess give the background in case anyone isn't familiar. So the Haslams are at this point prolific sports owners. Um having I believe their initial investment in a sports team was the the Pittsburgh Steelers having a minority yes. share in the Steelers, which they which... then Go on. Sorry. In just to give give a little background, Steelers are one of owned by the Rooneys. They're like the Maras with the, the New York Giants. They are a family owned business um team. So the fact that they had a minority stake within a team like that, that is kind of remarkable. It would be probably just because I've watched the Apple TV Super League doc, um, and I know things have Significantly changed with this team and their ownership, but it would be like Juventus. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of that. What is it? The Agnellis? Yes, 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 yes. Still the owners, um, uh, in legal hot water, sure. <laughs> still the owners, though. Owners of Juventus, owners of Ferrari, um, one of the the most kind of powerful industrial families in Italy. So. Somewhat similar. And I guess, um, not to jump ahead, but that's essentially what the Haslam family are too. So Pilot Corporation, who got their start in petroleum, and it seems like have diversified very significantly since to kind of touch a wide variety of areas of industry. Uh, Jimmy Haslam is the chairman of the board of Pilot Flying J Truck Stop, um, a truck stop chain. 
And the pilot corporation overall is the fifth, I guess, wealthiest private company in the United States. So the one thing that can't be leveled against these owners, uh, I'm saying this in light of a, another Milwaukee sports podcast I've just finished, is that <laughs> they they don't necessarily have the funds at their disposal to be involved in major league sports. There's a reason why I think they have multiple teams and it seems to be something they're interested in. Basically, I think as a family, they have more money than it would be possible to do anything with. And sports is what they have latched onto. So they got into the sports world with the Steelers. Um, they sold their minority share in the Steelers when Randy Lerner put the Cleveland Browns up for sale. That was, let me think, if you got off the top of your head, I've got it here. 2008 was when they bought into the Steelers. And the sale. twelve. Yes, 2011, 2012 was when the Haslam's, um, did they sold off their share in the Steelers in 2011, and it seems like 2012 was when they officially took over the Browns ahead of that season. More recently, in 2019, or I guess end of 2018, I think the 1st of January was officially when they took over, uh, they purchased the Columbus Crew, one of the most significant and kind of, I think, historic and kind of richest culture um, clubs in Major League Soccer. We'll get to some of the things that happened when they took over the Columbus crew, I think, in a little while. Um, they took over the Columbus crew. Within a year, they won an MLS Cup. With the Browns, I mean, do I need to tell people how things have gone with the Browns. They won a Super Bowl with the Browns, Jordan. No. Um, no I'm seeing here on the Wikipedia, I should have actually looked up the full. So this is through the end of the 2020 regular season, which there is one good season since this. But through the end of the 2020 regular season, um, the Haslam's had a record of 44-94 and won as Browns owners. So we've got two pretty bad seasons and one decent season to add to that. I'm right in saying that, haven't I? Uh, I think you're maybe low-balling the two bad seasons. Okay, two terrible seasons and one They had two seasons where they went a combined one and 31. Okay, well, I can do that, Matt. So that makes us 45 and 125 and one. What was the decent season record? Season before last? Oh, 11-5, 10-6, somewhere within 20, that range. 22, Cleveland Browns. 2021. Wasn't it 2021? It would have been 2020. Because they actually won a playoff game. Oh, there were 7-10 and 10 in 2022. I don't know. I, listen. Doesn't matter. The Browns are not good. The Browns are historically one of the biggest punchlines in all of sports. And the Haslam's have not done anything to change that. In fact, they have possibly made that worse. Yes. That's the background. I wish I had something better to give on that. I mean, part of this, I mean, you could make the argument. 
I don't think there are a whole lot of people out there dying to make it, but that the Browns are just a mess and maybe beyond repair in a whole wide variety of ways. I think a lot of people would have had a view of the Bucks being this sad sack franchise, though, when the current ownership came in and purchased them, and we've seen how a turnaround is possible. Yes, you do need to land yourself a Giannis Antetokounmpo, but these things can happen if you get out of your own way. Um... Yeah, these are these are investors with major, major money, money that will rank up there with any owners in the NBA. Um, they are very, very dedicated to the world of professional sports ownership, and they are astonishingly bad at that to this point. Yes, that's where we are. Yes, 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 we are. So Let's make it really simple, Jordan. Your initial reaction when you saw this report, uh, which really was a surprising report, as much as I guess we should have been primed for these kind of stories starting to break. Um, not a whole lot has developed in the near week since this news emerged. But at the same time, this didn't break in a kind of casual, oh, there's, you know, expressed interest this is they're engaged in serious talks which i know a lot of people are of the opinion until this is official it's not happening that is of course factually accurate i just do not think that this gets to the media in a serious talks kind of sense if this is not all but certain to go true so i'd be shocked at this point if uh, jimmy haslam does not end up being the buyer for mark lasry sharing the books Yes, that has actually been a point that has been reinforced by Terry Pluto, um, the mm. famed loose balls writer. He writes for the uh, Cleveland.com. He actually, after light of this news, um, he wrote, let me get this quote. Uh, vamping, vamping, vamping. Why can I find it? There was something about this. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yes, he said uh, he confirmed from a separate source after in light of the news that Lazary and the Haslands are getting close to a deal. So, yeah, just the fact that it has gotten this far and advanced talks. Sportico broke the news. The Athletic, along um, with Eric Name, uh, Bucks beat writer, um. Yeah, I would that say you... that is also not insignificant. Yes, yes, yeah. That someone that has is plugged in. The call is coming channels. from inside the house, Jordan. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is something that happens, and then at the eleventh hour, someone backs out. I think it's someone that has real capital, uh, <laughs> um, and you know. Probably is going to be buying a good share of, uh, well, good share. I'm well, saying twenty five percent. We know that much. Yeah, which and, is interesting. And... Very interesting. The, uh, you know what? Let's start there because we got a lot. We got a lot of different kind of tenuously connected elements to work through here. So, what we all knew as books fans is Mark Lazary. And Wes Edens came in and purchased the team from Senator Herb Cole for $550 million. And they were 50-50 partners in the team. What we knew is that Jamie Dynan 
joined the ownership group, I want to say a year to 18 months later. Um, part of this is always kind of tough to pin down, but that was at least the time frame in which he became a public face, not to the extent of the other two ever. Um, July 2014. Oh, so, so much quicker than much quicker because that was that was a thing that um I've always associated with the uh, current ownership as Dynam being part of that. So even though he wasn't a part of the initial press conference of buying the team and all that stuff, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. He wasn't, he wasn't part though of like, he may have came in immediately, but he was not one of the two guys who bought the team. So that's okay. So that was one part of it. Um, and we know post the construction of Pfizer form, Mike Fascitelli, who was essentially, I believe oversaw the construction was the contractor who came in and oversaw the construction and developed a very close relationship with the ownership group. He also joined the ownership group. We know the book's ownership group is dotted with minority owners, most notably Aaron Rodgers, as an example, that his ownership group has kind of shared the wealth around in terms of, oh, you want to say you own part of the books? I, I think the thing we'd never really been clear on is what is the split between the owners? And the power always seemed to come from Lazarus and Edens, 
and even the kind of the desire to be hands-on to be visible faces and voices whether that's locally in dealing with books business whether that's on a league-wide stage in involvement in governor's meetings and we've already seen the kind of the process of the rotation of the book's governor role, something we're going to get another turnaround of very soon, which is about to get more complicated. But Every day turns, turns, turns. <laughs> what we were not prepared for, other than Jordan singing, I, I think is, a, is an equal split between the four parties because... We had already heard that the kind of the Lazary Eden's rotation of governors was going to continue, where you would kind of assumed that if it was an equal split, it'd be like, okay, it's your turn, Dinan, then Dinan. it's your turn, Fasciatelli. And that is not the reality of the situation. Um, so the reporting that Lazary owns 25% of the team is interesting. I guess, you know what, Jordan? I also shouldn't assume that because Lazary owns 25%, that Edens doesn't own more than 25%. I would assume, yeah, that, that is how I interpreted that as well. So you think he owns more than 25%? No. Oh, so you, um, but I'm saying I wouldn't necessarily assume. I. Maybe it's just the optics and they're very deceiving. This has not felt like an equal share ownership. Among the four, now current four? Among the four, for sure. Even among among the two. Edens. No, I, I think Lazary and Eden's very much I think they're we've seen a, a we've seen a pretty equal share. And maybe that is just like literally the group get together and it's like, oh yeah, this is all this is the kind of the fun project we all have. Who wants to take ownership of this and be the faces and voices and be most hands-on. And those are the two people who said, yeah, we want to do it. And that's how that played out. I guess in this, we should also be mindful of something you and I talk about quite a lot, which is the Milwaukee books are a lot more than the Milwaukee books, the sports team in terms of ownership and what this ownership group have involvement in. So for example, Mike Fasciatelli becoming involved as an owner of the Milwaukee books when Pfizer form is also being built does also possibly give him the more hands-on role in, I don't know, this is speculation, but dear district dealings, potentially. And um, there may just be a feeling within the group that expertise are best spread in this kind of way. And the interests do expand beyond purely the basketball team. Yeah, that is another part of this process that I I think is gonna be reported on at some point, and I'm curious. Like, are those business interests that Mark Lazary holds on to if he's got any kind of involvement in them? Um, his son Alex Lazary has in the last week come out publicly and stated that he is going nowhere. His roots are now in Wisconsin, and he has plans for I guess his involvement in the Wisconsin Democratic Party in future. So I guess this is not the end for the Lazary family one way or another in Wisconsin. Maybe that expands to that there could be business interests tied to things that were born out of the books and the construction and the roaring success of the Deer District. I don't know. Um, 
what I think I would say with all of this is though this is a this is an arrangement that we there have been very well publicized disagreements, but it also does seem from the outside like there has been an element of it that's quite tightly knit that for someone to come in from the outside from a very different background, a completely different part of the country, uh, it would seem like someone who holds different views in multiple aspects of their life. That is interesting. And I would lean not for the better, particularly when this is not just a different personality coming to the mix, but this is someone who's going to have very, very clear ideas about how a sports team should be run in spite of the fact that, well, they have had zero success in doing so. Yeah, the ones that they run, save for the MLS team, um, specifically the Browns. Uh, they have not done well, and they have stepped in some major, major PR blunders. Um, it is very interesting. Um, and to your point, I mean, we talk about the governorship and who runs the team, who has kind of the final say of, of personnel decisions or organizational decisions. But still, like, Wes Edens, you can see comfortably at every Bucks home game, largely. Um, Mark Lazary kind of feels the same. Dynan kind of <laughs> services in and out. Fasciatelli, like they're all kind of forward faces. Like it, you could see them at games and during broadcasts and stuff like that. Well, Edens um, and Lazary still, like Lazary, even still to very recently is visible i like he's been at no shortage of games this season it feels like i don't know i'm open to correction on that but i certainly haven't been like he's not there eden's it definitely feels like he's there maybe more often than in previous years i don't know is that you know i'm keeping my eyes on the prize here i'm not letting the house go unguarded in in this particular time that is interesting in its own right though because he is someone who is a co-owner of Aston Villa in the Premier League, who has been linked frequently um, with trying to get into other sports leagues, I guess most notably with a potential Vegas franchise in MLS. I guess that's something in common that he and Jimmy Haslam could talk about. Although... Wes Edens has definitely had more success to date and in a shorter period of time. That would be that would be true. Be I don't true. know what else they're gonna talk about, but they've they've at least got that. Um yeah. yeah, I that's I, I guess the first part of this is that dynamic, the existing dynamic with the books ownership group. And the idea of anyone fitting into this, I don't know, was necessarily gonna be straightforward to begin with. I think in part this is why we speculated. Will Edens just buy him out? Or even with this arrangement, like do they just take their twenty five percent shares to thirty three point three percent shares and Diamonds Fasciatelli and Eden's own the team then? That is all well and good, and I think that in a lot of ways might seem most logical, and we have no reason right now to believe those guys have anything but intentions to remain as owners of the Milwaukee Bucks for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I guess the kind of the bottom line of this story is 
Lazary and Edens purchased the books for five hundred and fifty million dollars. Lazary's twenty five percent share now is valued at more than that alone. Yeah. So that's not bad, Jordan. Um, no. That's not bad. And for the share to have gone, like if they went in 50-50 initially, and then Dining comes in and Fasciatelli comes in later, you know, he has already made money on this along the way, as the other owners, certainly Eden's likely have too. Um, so there have been sales of shares to kind of reshuffle, I guess, the makeup of ownership group over the course of their tenure. But that part of this is not it's it's easy to understand how that comes to be appealing, it would be what I'd say. Oh, yeah. I mean I don't wanna this is gonna feel like a gross conversation. But the, the whole conversation is gross. We're talking yes. about billionaires owning a sports team and how they operate from there. So fire ahead, Jordan. But the Bucks as a brand, yeah, um, under current owners has obviously exploded. Um, it was not even there was not even a regional footprint when they bought the team. So the fact that it's this big thing boosted by obviously a superstar that could be well remembered as one of the best players to ever play in the NBA. Um, that obviously has some lasting power and sway sways people to get in on the action. Um, I believe too. It's notable that you mentioned that the Bucks Timberwolves was a game that Jimmy again. James Arthur Haslam. No, Jimmy uh, was Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Tree. Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> uh, slipping Jimmy. Uh. He, I believe, I've, I've in my readings, they explored trying to buy the Timberwolves when those were that was up for sale by Glenn Taylor. Of course, obviously that went to uh, Mark Lore, I believe his name is, and and obviously Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, don't forget A Rod. I'm not <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Um. <laughs> so yeah, that so they have explored getting into the NBA realm. Um when you have as much money as they do. And uh, last I read too, that uh, Warren Buffett has essentially taken over their company. So they have little shares, but they have a lot of money that they got too. So um, is that, is that to clarify on that? Is that pilot or is that pilot trucking pilot. Stop stuff? Okay. So there's the whole, that's Papa Jim's company. Papa Jim's actually is it pilot flying J. That's the truck stop company. Yes. So they, that's not. So that's Warren, the that's the company which Jimmy is chairman of. So rather than the entire pilot corporation. Yes. Um, Warren Buffett bought into that, and this is from the Ringer. I know it was kind of a, a weird uh, source, but they actually had a very informative article that I highly recommend. That was um, it, can't, it was written around the time of a certain fraud scandal. That, uh, we'll, we'll get to that, I guess. Of mm-hmm. course, but yeah. Um, by 2023, the family will have just 20% of the company in Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's, I guess, whatever he does, 
um, will become the controlling shareholder of Pilot Flying J, which sounds like a terrible 80s brand guitar, um, if I had to just put on my music hat there. I should also add, because one thing I didn't give in the background here, so Jimmy's brother Bill, uh, a figure... A figure of note in his own right um, was the 49th governor of Tennessee from 2011 to 2019, a Republican governor of Tennessee, who, from my reading, I will not say I was following that particular part of the country's political races all that closely at the time. Um, It seems like Bill fell out of popularity because he was an... An old school Republican Jordan. Um, he was he was siding more with the old school Republican values than some of the newer values. You don't have to do too much digging on the Haslam family to find plenty of articles uh, using the title and the phrase "never Trumpers." Um, so the Haslam family are very much rooted in Republican politics, but have quite staunchly opposed. Donald Trump and I guess the evolution of the Republican Party in recent years. Um, the upshot of that seems to be that Bill Haslam is no longer a politician. Something that I had overlooked that I've now just seen. Jordan, do you know what Bill Haslam has done since he bowed out of politics? You don't know. No, what he's done. is he is he the 15th man on the Miami Heat? Uh, that is actually closer than you think. Because the answer is sports related. Bill Haslam owns the Nashville Predators. Oh, yes, 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 he does. He bought the Predators in June of last year. I guess further expanding the reach of this family in a sporting context. And I mean, an NBA franchise is the missing the missing jewel in there, I guess, in the Affinity Gauntlet. It's the missing stone, Jordan. The kids love the Avengers. Uh, let's give them a reference that's at least four or five years old now. Um, and the notable for the Nashville Predators own the uh, Milwaukee Admirals. They're, oh, yes, they're the oh, okay. And is it exactly like that that they are they are the parents? It's not like minor league baseball affiliates, so they are solely owned. No, it, it, by... it is like no, is it? A lot of the minor they, league baseball affiliates, they will have individual owners and they choose their larger major league affiliate. Yeah. They, where you, they where are the admirals, owned, you're saying, are a Predators team, essentially. They are owned independently, but they are the Predators team and have been for over 20 years now. Okay. So Bill Haslam then does not own them, but there is an agreement no. in place. To okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, honestly, this is just, again, trying to fill out wider context for people. If you're like, okay, what exactly is this? Who exactly is this? What can we expect? Jordan, what can we expect if Jimmy Haslam, D Haslam become the part owners of the Milwaukee Books? I, I mean, we can talk through, I guess, some of the details of their history here. I don't know where you want to start. If you want to pick a scandal, pick a sports team, which whichever it might be. Um, I think the crew are an interesting one because 
Yes, because they were a championship caliber organization that the Haslams came in and purchased and then set about their own ideas, which was met with a... Uh, I don't know if you have that all that correct. Go on. Because um, in our little American soccer sphere over here, when everything happened that um i followed this very closely this is when i was like trying to get into mls and everything like this and when anthony precourt who is the owner of the crew wanted to outright move the team to austin yeah and um mls at this time still um they have folded teams they had not relocated teams um obviously that has happened in all of the other major sports leagues. And um, obviously if, since Austin FC has risen as an Austin franchise. Exactly. Um, so the fact that it's born out of their, you know, this savior ownership group, they are looked at as at the time when they came into, when they came into it, they were looked at as saving the team and bucking up and ponying up this, this money of keeping the team in Columbus. Mm, yeah, I, I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna push back on that a little from what I even remember of the time because the goodwill of that was about as short lived as it could possibly be. Like they made such an oh, incredible yes. mess of this. And when I'm when I'm saying they're a championship caliber organization, I guess more than anything, I'm talking about they are a team with one of the deepest rooted fan cultures in the MLS. They were very successful. I feel like it was kind of mid to late two thousands and they had a very good run as a club. They've had spells in more recent years where they've been consistently good pushing for playoffs and through the ups and downs, particularly that come with the MLS system, even internationally, and speaking as someone who very closely follows soccer at all levels, and the MLS is always a strange oddity because of its adherence to the principles of other major U.S. sports, they are kind of a gold standard. And I think maybe even more so before a lot of the new money and new clubs came in, which have started to reshape the look of MLS, uh, this city football group owned New York City FC, maybe more than anyone else. But I mean, look, LAFC are the reigning champions. They're a new club in their Red own Bulls. right. Uh, Red Bull, that's going back further, but their influence and what they were able to do in terms of attracting big names can't be denied. And although it hasn't taken hold yet in any successful way, I don't doubt it's just a matter of time before David Beckham's Inter Miami have their own moment in the sun and they finally land the big fish and they have some success if we're going back beyond that to though what are now i guess legacy mls clubs columbus crew are about as kind of established and respected as you're going to find that was always my view from the outside um the haslams came in with the goodwill that jordan mentioned for, I guess, potentially saving the club and what they then proceeded to do in almost record time was completely trash all goodwill 
shows zero understanding of what the club stood for, for what their very rabid fan base cared about. And they embarked on a full rebrand, which removed crew from the team's name, I believe, to change it to Columbus SC, um, with the crew just being a nickname which completely redesigned the logo to one of the most cold and calculated logos I've seen, even in the sphere of the (laughs) MLS and US soccer. And I believe one of the other key things that they did, which was a particular bone of contention for the fans, is they removed the 96 from the club logo. Um, this became a major scandal, a major source of embarrassment that coincided with the crew moving into their brand new state-of-the-art stadium at the time, which I believe um, it was right around the time that the naming rights were unveiled. It is uh, Lower.com Field, one of the worst stadium names in all of sports. Mm-hmm. They unveiled this rebrand and all hell broke loose. And within a very short period of time, they had to walk it back. They had to apologize to the fans. They had to say that they didn't pay close enough attention to the feedback they got from fans. They had to reinstate crew as a name. They had to reinstate 96 to the logo. The logo didn't fully revert to what it was previously, but something more representative of that. And the statement that they released, this is Dean Jimmy Haslam plus Whitney and J.W. Johnson and Dr. Pete Edwards, Three people who I will admit I know absolutely zero about. Um, Reads, we have consistently appreciated, respected, and embraced our supporters. We value their passion and loyalty to the crew, and clearly this process was not aligned with how we intend to operate. The feedback from representatives of the Nordica was not elevated and discussed at the appropriate level or incorporated enough into our process. We have been and will continue to be committed and excited about investing in the crew, its players, and our fan experience so that we best represent the Columbus community. Our our dedication to winning championships, taking great care of our fans, and giving back to the community will remain our steadfast focus. At the same time, we will turn our focus to creating substantive and meaningful dialogue with the Nordica on moving forward together. Um, All of this, Jordan, would mean a lot more and could be brushed up as, you know, just a simple... PR mishap, these things happen. Miscommunication. If the Haslams had not gone through pretty much the exact same thing with the Cleveland Browns a few years later, not quite giving in as immediately, but ultimately having to revert back to a more classic visual identity for the Browns. This stuff is not important, but it is important because I think it is a snapshot of how they view their franchises as something for them to come in and brand and overhaul in a way that suits their agenda. That is within their right. We saw this happen with the books. Mm -hmm. When it happened with the books, though, I do think nobody could deny that things were dire straits. And I'm not talking about Mark Knopfler, Jordan. There was an Mm -hmm. urgent, urgent need to, uh, to get something that could bring in some money. Or something. Yes. I was trying hard <laughs> and it wasn't seamless by any means. Um, the agency they enlisted was were called the Sultans of Swing, right? Anyway. Oh, of course. Anyway. 
I, I think that was a logical one where there was the famous quotes about you couldn't buy books gear at any mall in Wisconsin and this kind of stuff. And things had reached a point where major overhaul was needed. I guess the case could be heard for that more with the Browns because of the Browns being the Browns and a fresh start being welcome. I just think with something like this, you've always got to really involve the fans and it's got to be something that's a natural evolution because this is the kind of thing it's like, does an ownership group understand that, you know, the cliche that you hear trotted out, but is it real of, Oh, the people really own this franchise. We just view ourselves as the stewards which might seem like kind of an empty sentiment, but it's not. It's important. And that, to me, these two incidents, not the most problematic by any means this group has been involved in, but they are representative of something which is a little concerning, and particularly the fact that they went through this kind of seven years apart with two different organizations and they didn't learn the lesson. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is part of the MO of you buy a sports team, you do the fresh start, you build a brand. You, it's how do you make their imprint of of doing all this stuff? It's it's happened throughout multiple times in the Bucks ownership too, uh, or you know ownerships, I should say. Um, yeah, not surprising. It's it's par for the course these days, but it also just kind of it contextualizes the whole picture and kind of what's going on with uh, bringing aboard people that clearly have owned sports franchises and have stepped in it and made a mess of everything and stuff like that. And just like, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, and it's also the fact that they are not just learning for your own lessons, but they are so deeply entrenched in the world of sports ownership that all around them, they will have seen others make similar mistakes. And you think you learned from that? That has not been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, that is concern number one we'll log. And honestly, in the grander scheme of things, I think them pissing us all off by just not caring about anything related to the books is probably pretty low on the list. Um, you, You're probably... A lot more qualified, probably. What a stupid thing to say. You are a lot more qualified to speak on this than I am. You co-host an NFL podcast. It is my understanding that it's no fluke that the Browns have consistently been as terrible as they have been in that they very consistently make really bad hires. Do you think that's a fair and representative statement that they're their decision-making when it comes to head coaches or maybe even executives beyond that, there's an element of the self-fulfilling prophecy because they just, they don't get the first move right. And there's a reason why then they can never get themselves out of this deep, deep hole that the Browns seem to live in. Yeah. I think that would be accurate. I believe Andrew Barry, who is, uh, don't know the title that he carries with the Browns, but he's kind of viewed as the lead decision maker gm whatever you want to, whatever it actually is thought of as a very uh smart person i can't remember where he came from but he basically was hired to help rebuild the browns when they were at its lowest um hugh jackson a terrible nfl coach um 
oversaw the Browns during that one and 31, uh, two years, two season span. I believe Hugh Jackson accused of the Haslam's after all the um, Brian Flores' suit towards the Miami Dolphins and the NFL at large. Hugh Jackson accused the Browns of wanting him to basically, uh, well, I can't think of the word, um, lose games on purpose. Thank um, Thank, yes, thank you. Um, yeah. So your your words of self-fulfilling prophecy, I believe, are might be a little bit on the nose because in that specific example, <laughs> to lose games, that's not a, what we're here for. I, I believe uh, sports are, are you want to be the winning team. That is what I learned on my 30 years on this planet. Winning team, whether it's in arbitration or on the field, I don't know. That's something that's... <laughs> That's up in the air, Jordan, right now. Uh, yeah. I won't. I've done another. I've got it out of my system at least for a few days. I've done another yeah. podcast. It's fine. Um, do we want? I mean, like the extent to which this is on the Haslam's is, uh, we we honestly we can't speak to one. Legally, we <laughs> I I wouldn't want to yes. speak to it, but also two, it was really just I guess it's something I've known and something that falls around the company they were a part of. Um, so in April 2013, the FBI executed a search warrant and an affidavit detailing a five-year fraud scheme by the pilot flying J chain. And um, the company paid restitu- restitution to customers and agreed to pay a 92 million dollar pen- penalty pursuant to a criminal enforcement agreement you can read for yourself there's quite a lot out there in terms of the haslam's addressing i guess the the fallout from that um their associated press articles essentially coming out of the time when there were questions over Jordan, I know this is a ridiculous question, but was the NFL going to step in and do anything about this? And the answer was no, because they have not stepped in and done stuff about, honestly, much more troubling ownership and issues than this. Not to belittle this, um, but Jimmy Haslam back in 2013 did acknowledge, quote, I more than anybody understand the damage that's been done to our reputation, our brand, and our relationships in the trucking community. Don't know about your relationships in the trucking community, Jordan. Don't know how they hold up, but um, yeah, basically there were widespread fraud allegations around their company and an FBI investigation. Not great. Not ideal. Um, I guess what we could talk... I guess what we could talk about more specifically, I there's the one major thing and the more recent thing that I I'm gonna talk about in a moment. I'm sure you know what that is. Is there anything else you have along these lines before we get to that? No, no, continue. I think what is undoubtedly the most troubling element of the idea of the Haslam's coming into ownership, the one that has been discussed a greatest lent in the recent past has been the decision-making that took place around 
paying Deshaun Watson one of the richest guaranteed contracts in NFL history off the back of the various scandals, allegations that surrounded him um, in relation to accusations of sexual assault by up to two dozen women who filed civil suits against him. I believe that number went higher too. Yes. There was, yeah. Look, there's a whole lot of that conversation that we just, I don't know how much we need to unpack. I think people who listen to our podcast and know us will have a strong sense of that. I think what honestly troubles me most about this, um, one, it's not, not good. I'm not really on board with, they got kind of pretty deep into a, you know, second chances defense. And what are we going to do? Are we not going to give this guy a second chance? Which, if that's what they feel, fair enough. It's quite a second chance when it comes in at that particular number. Um, I think that really speaks quite loudly Which number? about it. Which number are you talking about? The fully guaranteed $240 million? Or are you talking about the... The, well, the women I, that have... I'm talking about the fully guaranteed, but look, that will apply both ways, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, the quotes when pressed about this, so from Jimmy Haslam, um, he said, is he never supposed to play again? Is he never supposed to be a part of society? Does he get no chance to rehabilitate himself? That's what we're going to do. I believe the Haslam's donated $1 million um, to charities at the time. I guess, protecting women against sexual harassment, sexual assault. I know there was a lot of conversation about, okay, $1 million for people who are at the head of a company that is valued at $45 billion or something in that region. Um, Haslam was further asked, is this about how good he is as a quarterback? To which his response was, you can say that's because he's a star quarterback. Well, of course. So this is not about the goodness of our heart. We see this guy down on his luck and we feel like we can teach him to be a better person and get him back on track. This was, we see all of those things and we see that he's a star quarterback and we could really do one of those because we're absolute shambles of a franchise. So we're prepared (laughs) to turn our back avert our eyes and sell our soul and here we go hopefully win some games and 11 game suspension certainly didn't start that off on the right foot but we'll see going forward um honestly from from my reading on this and there's a lot of this that i remember from the time i read about at the time the most troubling aspects of me came from some comments that d haslam gave um which I'll let you judge for yourself. I I just don't feel they come across very well. Maybe it's a miscommunication if we want to give the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I just don't think they come across very well. Quote, I think there's just a huge opportunity to talk about the major issues in our country in this area, such as sex trafficking, massage parlor use. So we can continue to talk about the Sean, or we can talk about the major issues our country faces and make a difference. This is widely portrayed in the media at the time as victim shaming. And yeah, 
I, I struggle to read it any other way, but you can be the judge for yourself. I just don't think that's great. And honestly, a lot of this makes me think about this is not to hold up the current ownership group and all of the elements of it as some sort of holier than thou collection of people. It just that doesn't exist. It does not exist when you're dealing with this class of money, when you're dealing with the kind of people who own professional sports teams. I'm not inferring that they're all bad people or anything of that nature, but I, I think there is at some level uh, an acceptance that if you dig deep enough, you're going to find something that is unpalatable, if not worse, with a lot of these owners. I do think the books, though, have been very progressive in trying to do good within the community. With trying to be representative of groups that maybe wouldn't have been a part of a Milwaukee Bucks fan experience before, or honestly just as kind of openly embraced within the sporting community in Wisconsin. And we have seen the players empowered to stand up for what they believe in and to be really vocal and intentful in trying to be forces for positive change in their community. This isn't to say that will necessarily change under the Haslam's. One thing the Haslam's did kind of push back quite strongly against was opposition to kneeling. They supported their players on that front. Um, but I I do think on a it doesn't take too deep of a dive into, I guess, the wider family politics and some of the state of views to find things that don't necessarily align with, I think, the vision that we have come to associate with the books, but also that the books have really gone out of their way to promote themselves. Look, there's the kind of person that, that will be music to their ears, but I, I just, that further adds to what feels like an uncomfortable marriage possibly forming here. Like that's, that's one thing that ultimately Mark Lazary wants to get his price, the price that's right for him to sell. I would have thought if relationships are still good, there would be at least an understanding of I'm not going to drop you in it with the owners of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, maybe the people who are considered the worst owners in professional sports. Whether that's fair or unfair. That dynamic is just interesting. I I can't really go much further than that. I think it's interesting that we could have such a stark shift. Yes for someone who is bound to have opinions and i i don't i don't say they shouldn't have opinions because they are experienced in running sports teams they just have not done it very well and that's that's an objective statement based on the records like for team performance team uh, i mean reputation have, perception reputation like, yeah perception of we course, we talk yes. about how the books have grown so that like Mark Lazary is cashing out this quickly. A lot of that is due to the larger machinations of the NBA in that time. But I believe most recently the books were the 15th most valuable franchise in the NBA. That is not in line with where the book should be. I wonder, Jordan, would the would Milwaukee be the NBA defined smallest market? Who can say? Uh, again, I promise I'll believe in that for another podcast. But 
them being the 15th most valuable franchise is something that is a result of, sure, Giannis and the luck that comes from that, but also the good work that was done in building the arena, building the Deer District, building out the brand, becoming a brand that, yes, you get a superstar's name on the back of it, but it's scalable and something you could sell around the world. They are achievements that the current ownership group did succeed in. And the Browns have really failed on that front. Yes. I I don't know. I, there's other things to touch on with this, and maybe I'll hold my general thoughts. No, but, you um, won't. You'll, you'll share your general thoughts. Well, I just think it's like an overarching thing that has rattled in my when you brain. When you say hold your general thoughts, you mean for like, a few minutes from now, or do you mean yes? A few minutes from now. I oh, mean, that's okay. I'll allow that. Yes. I thought we were doing an ownership pod, and you're just like part two. I gotta, part two. I gotta pod. hold my thoughts on this. I'm like, great. Thanks for that, Jordan. I would love to know that before <laughs> we started. Um, let's get into fraud. Let's talk fraud, baby. <laughs> fraud talk, talking fraud. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. Do you got anything on that? Or I'll be honestly no, relieved I, if you don't. No, I, I think I, I'm going to let you just pilot this uh, Flying J style. <laughs> <laughs> is there a universe where this is a good thing for the books? What, Hazel owning this, or having, not owning this. Hazel. The Haslam's buying Mark Osby's share of the team. I think there is more potential for terrible things to happen. Do you think, and we are just purely speculating on this, there's no way that we can know, but one of the things that jumps out to me is that when we look at the wider, their background in sports, essentially, they are majority owners of two franchises, if not sole owners. Do they want to own a minority shared in NBA team? Uh, no. They want to. You're not getting into this business without having say in what in the direction of the of the franchise and whatever case may be. Do you think this is a good time to buy into the books as a minority shareholder if your view is to become a majority shareholder down the line? Yes. You do. Yes. Because I know we talked about it when the news broke or Mark Stein broke the story of fellow Substacker. Um broke the story of Mark Lazary exploring his selling his share of the of the team. And I know there's been a lot of teams up for sale. Um Suns obviously that was on the heels of all this stuff. There's going to be a lot more teams up for sale. But having a team that, you know, it's almost been 10 years since this current ownership has had it in their, you know, midst. Um, it's only gone up and will only go up because of all of the... Will it? I think the, the value beyond, of it, yes. Beyond a couple of years from now, will it? When When the next TV deal shakes out. Well, that's the thing. 
all I mean, there's reports talking about NBC's wanting to get into this. The I saw in front office well, sports that but they it, like this this comes down to, and I know we talked about this before. Again, it's a speculation. We can't know. I do think part of Lazary selling the team now is a bet on yes, I could hold on and make a little bit more, but we are approaching the peak of this thing. I think that works on two fronts. One is I think we are approaching the peak of the Milwaukee books in the short to medium term. I like I don't know if that's going to be a popular thing for people to hear, but I do think most people listening are probably no, it's, it's relatively pragmatic about that. Chris Middleton, how many years has he got left? Drew, yeah. how many years has he got left? Brooke, how many years has he got left? And with those questions over Giannis those guys, is already 28. Giannis is 28, and with those questions over those guys, do you get Giannis till he's 38 even, like, if he plays till then? And if he's good till then, that's very much TBD. Mm -hmm. Like, will the books be relatively as valuable three years from now? And when the next TV deal comes in, there's going to be absolutely a surge in the valuations of teams but there's always a, the biggest money is to be made off of the promise of what's to come yes. and the speculation. And we're going to be quite a long way removed from the speculation and in a messier TV right space than ever before. Like this is probably the last traditional big bonanza mm -hmm. TV rights that will ever happen when the NBA negotiates it. And honestly, because of timing, they might kind of get in as one of the last leagues to get that kind of deal with that kind of distribution. I I am not sure that this is a bad time to get out. And honestly, tied to No, that, I think... Sorry. No, so are we... Did we cross wires? Like, uh, this is... What I'm saying is... The question I asked you is, is this a good time to buy a minority share if you want to be a majority owner? So you're talking about like from Lazarus' perspective, right? Well, we're talking about it. So Lazarus selling it, okay? So we can speculate as we kind of just did there as to why Lazarus might be selling it. I there may be a variety of other reasons tied to a whole range of businesses and where his finances are overall, where his ambitions might want to be, what he wants to do at this point in his life, whatever it might be. I guarantee you though, it's somewhere in those calculations is the business decision, which is here's what we bought the team for. Here's what the team is valued at now. Here's what has been achieved. What realistically can be achieved in the next few years? And how much is to be gained by holding on to that? Let's also not ignore the fact that this ownership group is footing a significant luxury tax bill um, year yes. to year at the moment. So the, the operating costs of owning the books are not low either. And they are going to continue to be high for the next few years as well. So I don't know, again, even from cash flow perspective for some of these guys, that may not be as appealing as it once was. I'm going to assume, though, that the Haslam's want to own the entirety of the Milwaukee books, or if not the books, this is going to be their Pittsburgh Steelers-esque gateway to get into the NBA and they will jump ship and buy a team in full if that opportunity arises. Although I think that pathway is more difficult in the NBA now than it was in the NFL when they managed to pull that off. Yeah. I just It also happens it's it's all about timing when you do that. It's what kind of franchise is it? Because 
I mean, the NFL is very shakeups don't happen often. That's like, you know, I mentioned the fact that they broke into the one of the preeminent families that own a football team in the NFL. That's not nothing. Um, NBA is not the same way, but it also matters. Like Matt Ispia seeing these comments made from afar, he's not doing it just to own the Suns. You do that when you know that the value is going to peak at its highest. And I don't think it's it's going to peak soon in a relative sense, though. I think you're within the next five years, like you don't give yourself the runway. I I actually like if Lazarus gets out of this with his profit, I would find it personally tough, I think, to walk away. If I was in that position and I had the money and I own this team right now and having built it and having endured a few rough years to start while you were learning on the job, I think it's tough to walk away now. But I would also tip my cap and be like, you know what? You're probably leaving some money on the table, but I think you've also, this is kind of a, this is as tidy a trajectory for sports ownership as you may ever find in terms of how you got in, a perfect opportunistic moment to get in, uh, where not to open up public funding on another podcast, Jordan, but you had a team that was in desperate need. New owner was essential. You had a chance to be tied to positive change, to redevelopment for a team that needed a complete overhaul. And you had the help of not just state funding, city funding, but also funding of the outgoing owner to keep mm-hmm. the team there. That is a golden ticket. That opportunity, yes. if that came around right now, you've got every billionaire on the planet being like, you know what, I want in on this NBA franchise. Yeah. So to get that and to win a championship and have all the fun fairy tale stories and get out the other side, I'd be very impressed with that. I guess part of where my questions come from, it's uh, these are not people who want 25% or are interested in 25% of a team. And my question slash concern is just how rapidly could this snowball into something entirely different? So when Mark Lazary is out of it, does that change Jamie Dinan and Mike Fasciatelli's resolve considering they were always figures who prefer to be more in the background? Uh, does Wes Edens just decide, you know what, I'm good, let's push ahead and own an MLS team in Vegas, and I own a Premier League team, and that seems fun, and that will satisfy my desire. I, he's had a lot of books games, maybe at this point he's just like, you know what, NBA is the thing for me, but if there was an owner we ever would have characterized in this group as that, it was Mark Lazary, mm-hmm. as the NBA guy. And that is just kind of, I know that's a variety of kind of amorphous thoughts on the state of the ownership group, but they're the questions. I'm kind of beyond the point of acceptance of this is going to happen. This is probably going to happen very soon. But I do think it's going to just lead immediately to even more questions than we're asking right now, because this thing could change in a hurry, particularly when the Haslam's get in the room and they're like, well, here's how we run a team and we would like to run it this way. Like, maybe guys like Dinah and Fasciatelli are like, you know, this is not what we signed up for. Yeah. Like, this is not what we signed up for at all. We're selling. We're out of here. The speed, the 
absolutely terrifying speed at which the books could change in that regard is noteworthy and very unusual. But I, I do think that is something when you have a group like this, that it, again, I'm not saying everything was perfect. And I have no doubt that there have been endless big blowups behind the scenes. And maybe we're in the midst of one of those right now that is further fueling this. But this is a real wild card added into the mix of what was essentially an East Coast ownership group at this point. Yes. Old old money, Tennessee, Republican values. It is so far removed from what the ownership has been, from what the culture of the ownership has been, that it just promises conflict. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fact that the I can we can still recite this whole thing uh after they hired john horst and brian windhorst and woge is like one of woge's first things with espm when he made that move this whole palace intrigue of how the bucks ownership works now you're opening the door with a new person coming into this um something that would have to be approved by the board of governors too so it well that's not a problem Oh, it's not gonna be a problem, but that it, it will be interesting how that goes as well. If you know, well, know. well, what would be interesting if the Haslam's are buying Mark Lazarus' share? Will they immediately come in, and will he immediately be the governor for the books for the remainder of what would have been Lazarus' term? Yeah, because he would still have one year left. Yeah. Because that could be complete and utter chaos. Oh. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> like, I mean, beyond levels where you've got three guys who've been involved in owning this team forever and you've got 75% of the shares on one side and the guy who's just come in with completely different ideas and not great track record of owning sports teams actually ends up with the final say in some regards. I guess the flip side of that is... <laughs> Maybe it would be nice to know if the other three are a strong voting block together, how good the relationship is between them. That could honestly be really, really important. But again, like if we're preemptively talking about it's important that three quarters of the ownership group are united against the other quarter, just bad things are coming. Yes. Yes. And at the That's forefront where... of all of this is the, is the luxury tax bill that is currently being paid and is essentially on the line to be paid for the foreseeable future. As long I as guess the score is intact. Well, I guess the thing with the Haslam's is money is not the issue. And honestly, they may just be more desperate to win than anything else where they might happily come in and be like, yeah, well, we'll pay that for a few years because we could really do it. Another one of those Columbus crew-esque championships. Mm-hmm. But it's not impossible that they're like, hmm, do you really have to go this far? Is there not another way? Could we not save some money and still be as good? This Giannis guy is pretty good after all. Does he need all that help? You never know. I mean, that it you mention, and you can we can look at all the Forbes evaluations. You can look at what their net worth is. Owners are owners. They cut costs. They look any way to make it as optimal. All the buzzwords that make everything gross about sports nowadays that is just part of the game um 
yeah, like I, I don't know, like we have come to accept it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's um something that you want to welcome. We went through this when the whole topic of the luxury tax was a big issue and why they didn't want to bring Malcolm Brogna back. Um, and you have this opportunity within your sites. So yeah, like I I I don't know. I that's my whole the point that I was going to make and is kind of going a little um is this general general thoughts thought general thoughts we're going back to general thoughts here um it is just kind of talking about accepting bucks and where the the state of the franchise things have never been better <clears throat> with the team it's true no, I know, but I mean, is that is so? Is this we've enjoyed the good times, and here's this is it? No, no, no that's not what I've. Is this life tried. going back around to bite you? This is it's not like the we, point that I'm trying got, to make. We got too high on the horse, Jordan. <laughs> My point is, is that like things have never been better. The the, the groundswell of just like unabashed love of the Bucks, too, has never been higher because. Yo, the NBA is more established than the when the Bucks were born and um, when they won their title and all this stuff. There's a difference in how the Bucks are now, obviously, versus then. But it doesn't necessarily dissuade what happened then. Regardless, this is my point that I'm trying to make, and I'm going to keep to this tra- this track. Um, the Bucks, though, and the NBA at large are in exist in a world that doesn't it's to talk about like how soccer has influenced this current direction of the Adam Silver led NBA the Haslams are yes their fortune is made through trucking and oil and flying Jayan and uh, <laughs> all this all this stuff they are but, old school NFL owners that are core though is that your point? Because they are. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you have this portfolio of, of teams, of you, you have the Haslam Sports Group, and you just buy teams because you have the money to do that, and you can operate them at will, or, you know, that kind of thing. Of just like, you can walk in the door and be like, I will buy your share of your, this team, and now we have our fifth team that we're operating, all this stuff, and it's just like... But see, I even think because one of the names that for me is like a scar tissue name and it has no personal bearing for me. But when I was reading this, I was like, oh, they brought the Browns from Randy Lerner to really like tie up this circle here. Um, Randy Lerner was an absolutely disastrous owner of Aston Villa, who is are now owned by Wes Edens. Interesting. And the Randy Lerner era, I guess, came not that far off. I don't know if hot in the heels would be the right way of putting it, but he was one of the first American owners to come into the Premier League after the Glazer family bought Manchester United. And we're really coming full circle, but as time this drops, uh, the formal offers will be submitted or intention to make offers on Manchester United will be submitted to the Glazers. But that's a wave of Glazers owning the Buccaneers and kind of 
old school. You don't want to dig too into the source of their wealth. Um, Randy Lerner, again, NFL owner. There is a profile of sports owner and a profile of old school NFL owner. I'm probably not doing a good job of putting a as fine a finger on this as I need to for it to translate to everyone. But when you talk about the influence of soccer and soccer ownership on the NBA, I can see that that is the influence of the phase of ownership that soccer is now moving out of, which it is now moving into the full sports washing state owned phase of ownership, which honestly, if you were to, if you were going to convince yourself that the NBA bubble is not going to burst and it's going to keep going and keep going, the reason to get in now is because you buy your team now and you're going to sell it to a goal state in 10 years. That mm. is the reason to get in where possibly there's more money there. The Hasms though fit the old model of what is now outdated and doesn't work in the Premier League is even increasingly outdated in the NFL yeah, and just, just feels completely out of touch even with the recent new owners who have come into the NBA. Like, aside from the fact that they have a multi-sport group, which seems very modern, except the fact that they just kind of collect these things and mismanage them. Like, there, yes. there is something very, very old-fashioned about that that feels past its prime. I would love to know, and, you know, maybe we'll get to hear some kind of pity meaningless words when this goes true and we get a press conference i'd love to know like why they want to own 25 percent of the books is it just because the books are the opportunity that's there at the moment is it because they want to buy in at a small level and build up from there or is it the fact that the books are one of the best teams in the world one of the best players and most marketable players in the world and whether that just seems like that's a fun way to get into the nba or specifically for them hey, why not experience something we haven't been able to experience because we can't build the teams at that point ourselves? I, I, I just don't know what the answer is, but I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying, but they very much fall in line with the grade of owner that has just moved out of soccer at the highest level. And, and even with that, you now, where those owners find themselves in soccer, and even someone like Eden's, and Eden's is a co-owner with some major money beside him for him to compete and the, some of the older models of owners honestly not to do this to myself and set myself off but you get like Mark Adonazio owning Norwich City in there like there, there is a model of American sports ownership that I feel like we've moved away from in part that's because a lot of the money instead of being old money and uh, being family money being industrial money has become something that is a lot more tech driven for better and for worse, as we've seen across all elements of society, this is just a move that is quite out of step. And they are owners that their profile is very different to what we've seen in the NBA. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible thing. Like, there is a chance where this could work out because maybe the balance with the other three existing owners as a control, or whether that's Eden's, whatever it is, just works. Stranger things have happened. Um... But this is, aside from just hearing, oh, the Browns and that feeling of dread, I just, I can't get past that so much about this feels off. It feels really peculiar. 
it doesn't seem like a fit. It doesn't make sense on a wide variety of levels to me. You're muted, Jordan. That's the general point that I okay. was going to make of like, um, I know we're past the days of Herb Coles, um, and local ownership, unless if you're, you know, I guess the Knicks or you're in a big city, it's going to be either what the current ownership group is for the Bucks. You're buying, you know, teams that are on the low and you're trying to make, you know, build them up and, and experience a big boom like the Bucks have had. Or you're the Haslam's and you just buy into things and it's your play toy. This is our NBA team. This is our MLS team. This is our NFL team. This my brother owns an NHL team. Like that's where we are. Not that I'm longing for the days of Herb Cole because we went through that, but like, and just for the record, Thank you, Herb Cole, for everything you did. Yes, of course, of course. You you fucking ruined the books as many times as you saved them. Yeah. Like, that's, that is the reality. When we go from the Fitzgerald ownership, uh, we, won't, we won't talk about the ownership before that because there's a great documentary coming in 2027 that's going <laughs> to focus on all of that. But you go for the Fitzgerald ownership and honestly what was, again, very successful. And then you go into the wilderness in the Herb Cole years. And that was not... Nobody wanted more to make a Milwaukee sports team successful than Herb Cole did. And that just ultimately does not matter. Ultimately does not matter. And in the end, the very end, it took some time, that was part of his recognition, it felt like, too, when he's stepping away. It's like, okay. I can't save the bucks. I can't do this. I can help someone who's better positioned to do it, but I can't do it. Now, the difference here is the Haslam's have the money. They have the... Re- they're not... This is not a local mom-and-pop shop buying a team, but no. it, it is just... They have run their teams in a way that is reminiscent of that old-fashioned ownership style, which does not yield positive results anymore. No. No, not at all. And I mean, they're also... You started off with, like... 68 years old and still called Jimmy, but they're not young either. Yeah, uh, that, that that was an, another thing that was just like, so you're going to get into this to, is this going to be, like, what is, what are they ultimately getting? Have we got Jimmy they... four? <laughs> <laughs> this honestly might be something that we need to read up on, Jordan. Maybe we missed out on that part of the research. Um, what what do we got going? There there are three children. I know that much, but he has three adult children. <laughs> adult children made me laugh. James Bagwell Haslam. So Jimmy Four adopted adopted twenty six. Ha- Whitney okay. Haslam Johnson and Cynthia Haslam Arnold. There's five uh, grandchildren, so we might have a. Jimmy Haslam five. Jimmy five alive? Is that what we're <laughs> this is Maybe you and Jimmy six? I don't know. This is the the future of the books could just go increasingly uh uncertain. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I do want to finish this out with, I'm not just saying like the books are doomed because the Haslam's want to bite them. Ownership is very weird in sports. And I have seen bad owners, like quote unquote bad owners with bad track records, eventually look into something. And certainly inheriting a franchise in the healthy state the books are may just be the looking into it that it takes. Um, There's a possibility that any ownership can work out in a positive sense. But I think what is fair to say is based on their track record in the world of sports, this is not what any of us would have drawn up for. Oh, how does Mark Fosry exit and who replaces him? Yeah. Is that it? Is that a wrap? No. No. Okay. What do you got? You got a tweet of the week? Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad I remembered this time because I would not be coming back on for it. We had multiple tweets of the week. We got a couple sincere ones. We got, you know, the classic coach. Has ones. Mikey D been tweeting about Jimmy Four? Jimmy Tree? I can't even remember what number no, we're on. He's not, he has not been talking about that. He's been talking about the New Mexico. Uh, scandal that is happening with their college team and they had to end their season early because of a hazy incident which is oh uh yeah there's some despicable stuff he's been talking about that um he chimed in on a landmark nba moment that occurred last week um tweeted 8 50 a.m february 8th 2023 congrats to lebron also i hope the audience took time to watch jabbar his gla- glass, his grace, class, humility, and dignity. He was and is the story for me. Take a close look at his life, intellect, books, article, semicolon, a renaissance man. Indelible ahead of his time. Mike Dunlap, do you want to produce a documentary that is going to premiere in 2027 that focuses heavily on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Because I have um, people that can get in touch with you very easily. <laughs> I don't know if the people can get in touch with them very easily, but they'd be very eager to get in touch with them. And yes. same goes for Bobby Portis, who I believe also voiced some thoughts about Crypt Old Japan. Basically, anyone within the book's orbit, if you'd actually like to support this, uh, that would be cool. Um, I, I, I don't know, should I address this, Jordan? I have concerns about our influence. I have concerns yes, let's about address, us. Let's address, please. I have concerns is... about us making Mike Dunlop self-aware at some point. Is this good for the tweets? Is it good for the content? Should this be something that everyone listening here, we just keep it to ourselves? And we all, you know, we're the watchers. We keep a close eye. We keep a close ear. We take in what Mike Dunlop gives us. But we we never alert Mike Dunlop to the fact that people are observing his unique tweeting style. Um, my contender for Tweet of the Week, I say this, is a quote tweet of a tweeter who uh, we are familiar with and who I do know listens to the podcast engages in some GSPN content from time to time. At Trustin Horst replied to Mike Dunlap, Coach, whenever I object self-doubt, I remember your wisdom and think about my inner kitty litter discipline and always feel better. Coach Mike Dunlap quote tweeted this and said, we may need a cuddle. Perhaps they will call us the Sardonic Twins? Which, <laughs> Jordan, this is the tweet of the week, but I'm just worried about how, how far this gets pushed. Are we creating a monster 
we have noticed this across multiple instances where people Mike Dunlap just used to be out there kind of tweeting to himself. Um, people yes. would like and, you know, get on with his business. People now reply and share their admiration in a borderline meme fashion for the coach's tweets. I don't want to overstate our influence, but I do know that we do have at least a little tiny semblance of influence. And I'm concerned about it breaking out and spoiling this pure and golden thing. Yes. This is Irevinus's, um Adam looking for writers of Behind the Buck Pass and coming across a man named Jordan Tresky um, and uh, co-opting his weirdness and <laughs> becoming sentient of, of the power that he holds. So yes, I know firsthand of this opportunity. Please, guys, stay in the club. We we observe. We don't interact. I, I don't want to tell people Heed they these can words. or can't do. But I want people to be careful that we don't make him fully self-aware. Yes. I don't want... We don't want to be filtered. We don't want to be in his process when he opens up Twitter or opens up, like, the voice notes app to dictate these tweets. We want it to be pure, unfiltered Dunlap, not the man to be thinking, what are the tweet streets going to say about this one? Yes. Because, you know, by and large, he's not... We may need a cuddle. Perhaps they will call us the sardonic twins. I'm concerned that that is too knowing. He's in on the joke there. It's not what we need. No. The moment that he's tweeting about Rihanna's uh, Super Bowl concert or halftime show, we have lost the plot. It's about, it's finding the gems within the coach speak. He's like the AI um, literal that tried to get speak. that guy to divorce his wife. This is, yes. this is essentially what it's like. If we talk to him for too long. Chat Dunlap. Takes on a mind of his own. Uh, and is that good? Is that good for the content? Is that good for the pod? Who could say? The one other tweet I will bring up, just because I... I mean, I shout out to assistant coach Mike Dunlap for just tweeting through it like this. He is an active coach in the NBA. and This stuff is unusual. Oh, yes, yes. KD Kyrie. KD has his own resume. Regardless of the situation, KD going to code talk, keep real feelings tucked away, and most likely relieved the drama of Kyrie slash management rock fight done for now. KD is his own person, gifted, and will be just fine. Coach, you can end up with like one of those guys traded in the team you're coaching soon. You just gotta, gotta be careful on that stuff. <laughs> Uh, is that it? Is that what we got now? Are you sure? Yeah, that that is all. I've this chamber is, Jimmy, is empty. Is Jimmy Tree on Twitter? That's honestly a consideration that we might want to know about. Uh, I don't believe he's on Twitter, Jordan. If that makes you feel any better. Ah, yes. Probably not good that uh the um do you want to hear the top five Jimmy Haslam accounts that came up when I searched Jimmy Haslam on Twitter? Well, I know kinda Jimmy Haslam's there. Yes, yeah, slipping Jimmy Haslam at sell the Browns, that's what it is. Fuck Jimmy Haslam, fake Jimmy Haslam, Jimmy Haslam. Um so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of interesting accounts out there, I guess. 
Your boy, Jimmy Haslam, you missed that. <laughs> Not Jimmy Haslam. Haslam, Jimmy. Has a... Big Jimmy Haslam. I, we're Big Jim fans here, so Big Jimmy, we'll keep that in mind. Here's um, there hasn't been a James Haslam. James I'm Haslam. Jimmy Haslam, question mark. It's an existential Jimmy Haslam. I'm uh, Ron Burgundy. I think I've run. Yeah, I, actually, I found some others, but I won't say the names of those accounts. Listen, there's a lot of Jimmy Haslam accounts out there. Um, we'll see how much more we'll be talking about Jimmy Haslam when we might be talking about Jimmy Haslam. That is up to uh, Mark Lazary more than anyone else. So yes. we'll keep you all posted on any developments in the book's ownership situation. We hope... What's pure speculation? What's our unqualified thoughts? What's essentially just our research and I guess our years of accumulated insight and trying to understand the book's ownership arrangement has been informative and useful to some of you trying to get a sense of, well, how this might affect the books. And we will be back to much more normal business for our next episode. Until then, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Beyond that, though, there's something else that you might want to do. Um, you're probably at this point, I hope so, aware of this. You might be aware of it because you listened to the last episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network with Ty and I. Um, you might have heard it even on Cruising for a Bruising, along with other things on Cruising for a Bruising. Um, Talk of the Tundra. Talk of the Tundra. It's It's been everywhere. It's been all over the place. It's also been on the same Twitter streets that Mike Dunlap peruses. We've got a very special giveaway that we have running at the moment. Um, we've had some giveaways in the past. We have never had anything quite of this caliber. And we think you might be interested in it. We're giving away an autographed Bobby Portis jersey. If you would like a chance to win it, you can have up to five entries in our giveaway, up to five entries. How do you do that? You go to gspn.info. Very first thing you're going to see, GSPN autograph Bobby Portis jersey giveaway. You click on there, it will bring you to a Google form. You can upload screenshots of you being subscribed to this exact feed, Eurostep Podcast Network. That will get you one entry. You can get another for a screenshot of your subscription to Cruising for a Bruising. You can get another for doing the same with Talk of the Tundra and another for doing the same and make time for this. Most importantly of all, though, if you want that fifth and final entry, and honestly, if you want to enter just once, our preference would be that this is how you do it. Um, you can donate to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin's current project with Bobby Portis. Uh, Bobby Portis helping to feed kids with his PB&J challenge. Again, on our link tree, gspn.info, you can go to second link. You can hit that. You can donate directly to help feed kids throughout the state of Wisconsin. Bobby Portis taking the lead, as he has done in so many ways since joining the books, showing himself to be a true hero, the mayor of Milwaukee. You have a chance to win his jersey. And I think most importantly of all, we'd really appreciate if you 
took a moment, you spared some change, and you helped out Bobby's mission to feed kids in the state of Wisconsin. Absolutely. GSPN.info. The links are there. Subscribe to the pods. Get in the Discord. We're on Repod. Join Repod.com forward slash GSPN. If you've got a Jimmy Haslam toss, regardless of the number, that's the place. Yes. You got in touch. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.